Welcome to Bethel World Outreach Church. Our values are devotion, diversity, and discipleship. Devotion through honoring God by trusting His Word, praying, and worshiping together. Diversity by embracing God's heart for every nation. And discipleship by helping others follow Jesus. So join us as we're reaching a city to touch the world. Man, don't we live just to, to hear that one day when we walk into eternity? Man, hearing Jesus say, well done, that's, I mean, that's, that's what I'm living for. I, I don't know about you, and I know that we might have a lot of different people in the room, and maybe this is even, uh, you're new to the, the church environment, or this is kind of a, a new experience for you. We want to live a life of purpose, right? A life that matters. And I want one day when I step into eternity, Jesus to greet me and not be like, hey man, I wanted to say, well done. You lived a life well. The, the amount of breath I put in your lungs, you, you used it well. The days you were given on earth, you used it well. That's the life I want to live. Uh, welcome to, to Bethel Midweek. My name is Bryson. I'm one of the pastors here. Uh, and I'm really excited about tonight because we're going to talk about something I'm really, really passionate about. And, and that's, as you can see in the really, really, really big letters behind me, uh, it's about purpose. We're going to talk about what it means to live a life of purpose, to identify your purpose and live in a way that glorifies God, that has not only fulfillment but impact in the world. And so I'm really, really excited about this. And uh, so I, I'm just, I'm thankful for the opportunity uh, to, to get into this. But I think for me, uh, when it comes to this topic of purpose, uh, like it, it sort of has this, uh, this uh, it's, it's a loaded thing because we know, if you've been around Bethel or even the Christian faith, I hope you know that the Christian life is not about doing stuff. You're not saved or coming to a relationship with Jesus so you can do stuff for God. It's not about living a life of doing stuff, but at the same time, we know we're saved by grace alone. At the same time, we need to reconcile verses like in James when it says that faith without works is dead. And we have to reconcile it with things like uh, where it says in Philippians that we're to work out our salvation. It doesn't mean, you know, wrestle with it. It means like walk out your salvation. There's actions attached to what you believe in and your relationship with God. There are actions involved. So on one hand, yes, we're saved by grace and there is nothing that we can do to offer God. There's nothing we can do to impress God. There's nothing we can do to earn God's love. But at the same time, as an overflow or as an outcome of that relationship with God, there are things that God is calling us to do. And so we can turn this into something that's so works-based that we need to do this, do this, do this so that God will love us, and that's where we go too far to the left. And we can turn things into, well, hey, you know, it's okay, man. Uh, and that's where we go a little too far to the right. But I think that somewhere in the middle, there's something for us tonight, that there's actually a plan for your life your life that matters, so there's something for you, uh, a way for you to live and a life uh, for you to, uh, something for you to accomplish that leaves a lasting impact in this world and beyond. It's this whole idea uh, that uh, yes, we're called, uh, we're saved by grace and we're called to do stuff, but for so many of us, there seems like a big gap between these ideas. We say, okay, great. I'm saved, I have a relationship with Jesus. When we say saved, we just mean uh, that there's a, a new eternal inheritance for us that we now have a relationship with the living God. Okay, that's great. 
and I'm supposed to do stuff, but how do I know the stuff I'm supposed to do? And how do I make these decisions because I know now if I identify as a Christian, I want to honor God and stuff, but at the same time, I need to you know, make a decision, something like, you know, where do I work? What career field do I go into? What college do I attend? Uh, what big life decision? Where do I live? We just heard someone who made a massive relocation, right? Uh, states away. How, how do I hear these things from God? How do I understand what the right path for me is? And we end up swimming in this in-between, this, this cocktail of confusion and guilt where we feel you know, confused about what we're supposed to do at the same time, guilty that we don't think we're doing what we're supposed to do. And we feel like if you've ever been to a carnival, and they have the games where you have like a little marble or ping pong ball and there's all the cups, right? And the different cups are the different, you know, uh, point values. And then if you really get the high point, you, you pay 15 bucks to play it. And then you could get the dollar store toy at the end when you do it and you do it really well. And you know it's rigged against you. Like you don't get the optical illusion, but you know it's there. You know you're probably gonna lose. And we feel like that sometimes when we think about our purpose in life. We feel like we have this little marble and we gotta get it in the right cup. Otherwise, we're off. We, we have just one life to live, one uh, you know, number of days, number of years, number of breaths in our lungs. And, and we gotta get it in the right cup Otherwise, all might be lost. Let's pray together as we get into God's word. Jesus, be with us tonight. Jesus, help us live lives of purpose and of meaning. God, that we can be people that glorify you, people that give you honor. God, thank you. God, for the guidance that you offer in your word. Help us stay true to what you say, not what we want you to say, God, but what you say because we know it'll make an eternal impact in our lives and beyond. In the name of Jesus, amen. So there are a lot of scriptures tonight. We're, we're gonna fly by some and, and you don't need to, or they're not all gonna be on the screen, so you might wanna jot something down and go back to it later. Uh, but it's something that I really love in scripture. In Ephesians 2, it has such a great uh, parameter uh, for, or, or a great set of guardrails for the way we view our purpose in life. In Ephesians 2, verse eight through 10, it says, for, the, uh, for by grace you've been saved through faith. And this is not of your own doing, it is the gift of God. Someone say gift of God. Not a result of works, so that no one may boast, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So it's not by anything you've done, but there is stuff for you to do. You didn't get saved because you did stuff, but now that you're saved, there's stuff for you to do, planned beforehand for you to do. It is no secret at this point that there is a specific plan for your life. So often we turn the Bible just about us, and so we spend a lot of time going, no, 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 it's not just about you, it's not just about you, but it is about you. Like, God has a plan for your life individually. It says uh, in Ephesians 1, uh, just a chapter before that, it says that he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. God had a plan for your life 
before the foundation of the earth. And so for us, we find ourselves just in this tension of figuring out, okay, what is that plan? Because if I want to live a life of purpose, of meaning, a life that glorifies God, I have to answer some of these questions. And I think that there are two popular ways that God's will or the the purpose of God, if you want to call it that, is viewed. Two popular ways, and I will preface this. This is a, a preface PSA. I'm about to give a really just uh, oversimplified view of these two things. And it will probably maybe offend you a little bit. And that's okay. Let's just have a holy agitation together as we look at what scripture says about maybe some things that we've thought for a long time. I get, I'm about to make this way simpler than it actually is. But for the sake of the illustration where we're at the carnival trying to get the marble in the right cup, These two uh, things can be identified as viewing that cup as really, really small or viewing it as really, really big. And so if we stand here and we're trying to get our little pebble, our little marble, our little ping pong ball in the perfect will of God, one hand, we're going to call it the little cup idea. And the other hand, we're going to call it the big bucket idea. And so uh, if we're little cup people, then we have this idea that I have one marble and one little cup and I gotta get it right because everything is at stake. That there's this tightrope, this eternal tightrope that I'm walking on that I need to go step by step because there is a perfect will uh, of God for my life that I'm either living or I'm not. And yes, you know, it's, uh, we believe in grace, but the grace of God is just to get me back on the tightrope. Because I have a decision to make in every turn, uh, and God is already, like we said, Ephesians 1, 4, where where it said that God predestined my whole life before the earth began, and that feels like a lot of pressure on me where I need to do it right. There's a specific, singular will for my life. And that starts to paint some problems. Like, because it starts to paint a picture that we actually, I think, have a little too much control in this scenario. That we've somehow been given the ability to mess up the rest of human history. Because if I take one step off of the perfect plan of God for my life, say I'm supposed to go to Belmont, but I go to Lipscomb instead, now I'm meeting people I never should have met, making decisions I never should have made, and plans I never should have made with people who I never should have been in their life. And so now, you know, God forbid, I pretend I marry someone from there. Now we're having kids that never should have existed that are going to then one day have kids that never should have existed. Again, a gross oversimplification of this view. But you get the idea that it starts to paint a pretty fragile system. It says in Job 42, I believe, or yeah, 42, Job says, I know that you can do all things. No purpose of yours can be thwarted. Nothing you already planned can be thwarted by anybody. And so when we have this view uh, that God has a singular plan, a tightrope that I need to walk on, I'm either living it or I'm not, we put ourselves in a dangerous position that we feel like we can actually mess up God's plan for the world. So it's a pretty dangerous thing. And I have good news. I have really, really good news. The good things about that view are right. God has a specific plan for your life. 
God planned your life before the foundations of the earth. But when we view that as a a pressure-filled thing, we live a life that grace is just a safety net to get us back on the tightrope. And so there's the little cup view, but then you also have the big bucket view. Now, you see, I'm not even gonna try and get it into little cup because I can't even probably get it in the big bucket. I'm gonna move up a little bit for the sake of my own pride. But it's a lot easier to get in the big bucket, right? Because in this view, if the, uh, the little cup idea is, is very rigid, the big bucket view is very flexible. That I've been saved, I've gotten into this relationship with Jesus, uh, and as long as I live by Christian values and tenets, then I pretty much have a, a lot of say in how this goes. Because as long as I you know, uh, live as, as Christian as I can, uh, then it's pretty much I do what I want. And I'm not, gonna, I'm not talking about sin. I'm not talking about going. And, and like obviously, uh, these people are good, God-loving people too. Uh, but there's a great amount of flexibility in what I would call the will of God. I get to choose what school I go to. I get to choose where I live. I get to choose uh, the career path that I take. So in one view, it's very rigid. In one view, it's very uh, flexible. And so you have your little cup, your big bucket. And in this case, if the little cup uh, puts too much pressure on us, the big bucket puts us, it paints this picture and has some inevitable pitfalls that God doesn't actually care about the specific things in my life. That God, I shouldn't even, uh, I shouldn't say doesn't care. He's not concerned with them. He's, he's put those in, in my, uh, in my uh, court in that I have these, uh, this decision-making ability that now just because I've professed Christ that I can do whatever I want, I can make the decisions on how I spend my money. And I can make the decisions on what my family does, where my kids go to school, et cetera, et cetera. And that starts to paint a picture that doesn't sound like God because it says in... Uh, where does it say? He knows the hairs on her head. You know, the verse I'm talking about, uh, I have it written down somewhere. I promise it's in the Bible. It really, really is. It's in Luke 12. Luke 12. Luke 12, 7. says, you know, that, that he knows even down to the number of hairs on your head. Now, the good news, everyone knows how many hairs are on my head, so that's not a super high bar. But for a lot of people who have hair, that's pretty impressive. Uh, So he knows the really, really specific things about you. He knows the details about you. He knits you together in your mother's womb. So you can start to see we have a dilemma. If we view it as the little cup, we can mess everything up. And if we view it as the big bucket, God has little concern for what's going on in our life. So as any commercial would say in the 60s, there has to be a better way. And I would present to you that it doesn't need to be an either or, it can be a both and. That God's plan, if we read this one more time in Ephesians 2, 8 through 10, for by grace you've been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing, it's the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one can boast, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So the first half talks about by, it's by grace alone. God's plan, if we look at all of this, we see that towards the second half that is very specific. So we have a plan that is very specific for our life, at the same time, very full of grace. 
that God's plan is grace-filled and specific, that it doesn't need to be an either or, it can be a both and, and I don't want us to view it as a little cup, I don't want us to view it as a big bucket, I would rather us view it as a funnel. I will say, this funnel looked a lot bigger online. When I ordered it, I was thinking it was like, funnel, this is really gonna bring it home. Everyone's gonna go home and remember the epic funnel. So just imagine this is epic, but this is, this is a funnel, obviously. And so if God's will is really full of grace, we have a big side at the top. But if it's really specific, we have a little spout at the bottom. And so I wanna break this down because I think that this can really help us. If we walk away from this time and all you get is a little picture of what we're gonna put on the back, I think it's gonna be worth your time because I really, 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 really think if we can start viewing God's plan less like a big bucket, less like a little itty bitty cup, and more like a funnel, there's something that's gonna give a little bit of freedom and a little bit of clarity at the same time. And so if God's uh, will is like a funnel, Where we start to go wrong is we only look at the itty bitty side. Because we wanna know the specifics, right? We wanna know, questions questions like this, we have them uh, coming up on the screen. Uh, Where should I live? We wanna know, I'll put these down so you can see a little bit better. What career field should I go into? Who should I marry? What's the right decision? These things, we we, we say, God, I wanna know. I want to know what college I should attend. I want to know uh, if, you know, if something's going to go one way or the other. I want to know your will for my life, which is good. It's, it's a good thing to want to know God's will for your life. But we get here, and we have to realize that before we get to that, there's something else. Because sometimes I worry uh, that we can have, if you have your, your Bible right here, just in this little illustration, we can have this right here and we can go, God, just tell me what you want. God, tell me what you want for my life. Lord, can you just, can, can you just give me some guidance, please? Like, Lord, can you just tell me who I should marry? Tell me where I should live. And there's a reason that it's called God's word because there's a lot of this stuff that he already told us. And so if you have the little end of the funnel are these really specific things of what I should do, where I should live, who I should marry, there's a big side of the funnel over here. And these are the general things that the word tells us, okay? So we have over here, here's just a a few examples. And so this is not exhaustive, that's why we said questions like these and scriptures like these. There are a lot more questions than that, and there are a lot more scriptures than that. But let's just take some, let's take the highlight reel, okay? So we know that we are called to, if you call yourself a Jesus follower, you identify as a Christian, there are things that you are called to do. I don't need to pray about it. I don't need to think about it. I don't need to spend an hour of pastoral counsel with you. I can tell you without a shadow of a doubt, with 100% certainty, you are called to love God with your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Because we see it in Matthew 22. 
37 through 38. It, it tells us. It's not cryptic. It's not something we have to pull out of the sky. We know that we're called to love others as ourselves. Matthew 22, 39 through 40. We know that the Great Commission tells us we're called to make disciples and think missionally beyond just ourselves. We know the Ten Commandments give us tenets uh, to live by that lead to human flourishing. We know in Micah it says to seek justice, love mercy, uh, and walk humbly with your God. We know some of these things. It is not a secret. You don't need to go to, you know, a seminary. You don't need to, you know, go spend years of meditation. Cheat sheet. You're called to it. It's there. But we can go, God, who should I marry? God, what should I do? God, where should I live? But if we view it as this little itty-bitty cup, then that's gonna be a pretty tough thing to land your marble in. That's a pretty hard thing to go with no assistance, no help, say, oh, I really, really hope I get this right. It's stressful, you're probably gonna get it wrong, and it really puts you in a tight spot. And so God's given us in his word Stuff that without a doubt, you don't have to pray uh, and ask God if he wants you to make disciples. You don't have to pray and ask God if he wants you to take care of widows and orphans. You don't have to pray to ask if he wants you to walk in love or to be generous or to serve others. You don't have to pray. Now, you should pray, but you don't have to pray to know that God wants you to do those things. At the same time, those things are not a prerequisite to have answers to these other things. Because we will all spend our entire life trying to get good at these things. So if we feel like we need to master these before God's going to give us any answers, we start to get in another dangerous spot. It's not a prerequisite, but when we focus on these things, we posture our hearts in a way to receive from God these more specific things. Because when we focus on what we know God's called us to do, God has a way, just like gravity moves something down a funnel, the Holy Spirit brings us into these specific things. And so uh, how does the Holy Spirit do it? Let's finish the funnel here. Uh, and so we have the big end of the funnel uh, on this side, and then we'll, we'll complete the funnel, Ron. Uh, and so here uh, you have right, the big side. And as we focus on these things, obviously this funnel looks like this for the sake of the screen, but you can get the idea. Gravity pulls you into these specific things, and in this case, gravity is the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit uses a few different things to do that. He uses, uh, here in, uh, uh, sorry, in my notes, so three big things that the Holy Spirit uses to, to pull you from uh, the kind of the general things into the specific things. And we know that he'll do this because as Pastor Philip mentioned earlier that Matthew 6, 33 uh, says, it's when you seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, all these things are gonna be given to you as well. He promises us. When we seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, the little things that we spend our time worrying about He's going to figure it out. He says, no, 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 put it on my bill. No, you, you don't have to pay for that. Put it on my bill. I got it. I got it. Or it says in Proverbs 3, where it says, trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and you'll figure it out. No, no, no. He says, and he will make your path straight. He promises that when we acknowledge him in all of our ways, 
then he's going to lead us to where we need to go. It's not about getting your marble in the tiny little cup. It's about uh, throwing it in to the adventure that God calls us to live, that when we say yes to Jesus, we say yes to this, and he's going to promise us that. And so uh, here there's three uh, kind of gravitational forces that I believe the Holy Spirit uses to get us from the general calling of God on our life to the purposeful calling of God on your life. And those three things are the Bible, prayer, and people. And so the Bible, when we jump just to this and we jump straight to God, who should I marry, where should I live, what should I do, uh, if we do that without the Bible, we get in a dangerous spot because we know that the Bible is the word of God and if what we feel like we're hearing, the words of God violate the word of God, then we have to acknowledge that what we think we're hearing is wrong. Like, I'll say that again. If what you feel called to do is different than what this says you're called to do, you're wrong. And that's okay. Like, that's okay. Like, no judgment. Like, we, we all are wrong at, at some point in some way. So this is not, you know, a, a fire and brimstone moment. Like, but we have to acknowledge that sometimes we feel like we should do something, but God's given his word so that we can know what we're called to do. And so when we feel like our calling is one thing, but the scripture says it's another, we have to yield to scripture. The second thing is prayer. So scripture obviously here is is the the primary thing that gets us in the firing zone. It gets us in the top of uh, the, the funnel, if you will. But as we engage with these things, one of these things is prayer. So as we're praying, again, this, I cannot stress enough how important the word is in your life. I cannot stress enough because even if you never, ever, ever in your entire life feel like you had what you would confidently say is a word from God, you can confidently say you have 66 books written about your life written that give you guidance and purpose and vision, that we don't need to wait for the Mufasa moment, the holy hill where we walk down and our face is glowing, we have tablets on either side, that we have the perfect will of God. No, we don't need to wait for that because God's given it to you in pages. You have it. Like, man, I hope somebody, if you walk away just with that, that I don't need to wait for the the dove to descend and the clouds to open and God to speak with the thunderous, you know, James Earl Jones voice. No, this is is for you. It's you. Like, you you think, like, pastors or missionaries have some magic thing? Like, pastor, we don't wake up in the morning and open this up and then the sun shines a little brighter and the bluebird comes in and starts, no, is it? It's a book, but the book's going to change your life. The Bible. So I text with my wife probably about every day, unless we're together all day, and you probably text with the people who are special to you. If you took my wife's phone and you texted me from it, you might be able to get a couple texts in without me realizing it's not her. But after a few, I could pick up that's not how she talks. Because, you know, I know what emojis she uses. I know when she doesn't use emojis that I probably did something. I know, yeah, I can sense just I know how she writes. I know what it, it sounds like from her. In the same way, 
when we start getting an idea of what God's said, we can have a better idea of what he's saying. And so when we spend time engaging with God's word, we start to hear God's words differently and more specifically because we have a filter now to say, hey, I don't think that's God. I think that was bad pizza. Like, I, I think that, there, that that was probably just me, and that's, that's okay, we're all working on this muscle of listening to God, like, but I don't think that was God, because I know what God sounds like, and that's not it. So we have scripture, which gets us into the funnel, and then you have things like prayer, uh, which is a continuation of hearing from God, asking these completely valid questions of God. What should I do? Who should I marry? Where should I live? And the list goes on and on and on. Fill in the blank. And then you also have God's gifts of people in your life. So the Holy Spirit, the gravity that he uses to pull you from one end of the funnel to the other uh, includes scriptures, it includes prayer, but it also includes people. And I view it kind of like uh, if you are at the Grand Canyon or any canyon, you yell from one side to the other, what comes back is the same thing you yelled. You say, you know, hello, 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 hello. And as you start engaging with some of these things, scripture and uh, other people who are believers and trusted mentors and things like that in prayer, and as you feel like you're having, okay, I think I should move from Dallas to Nashville, you have, it feels like it echoes from scripture. It feels like it echoes from other people in your life. When you pray, you feel like it echoes to you. There's not this dissonance between what you feel like God's saying and what these other three elements are, are, are saying to you. But when you engage with people, I, like I said, I love purpose. This is when I, I preached a, a couple weeks ago or months ago or something like that. And the whole point was you need people to discover your purpose. And so you have scriptures, you have prayer, and you have God's people. And when you have those three working in unison, you find yourself navigated from the general things that you're called to as a Christian to the specific things you're called to as a person. But when we start here, we get in a dangerous spot. A dangerous spot where we feel like we can either mess up God's plan or we're in control of God's plan. And we're neither. And so we feel like we can either mess up God's plan with our little cup or that we control God's plan with our big bucket. But I think in evaluating scripture and just doing my best to, to understand as much of God as I can, I think that God is far more concerned with how we live than the stuff we do. And I think living a life of purpose is focusing more on the life you live than the stuff you do. I think living a life of purpose is focused more on how and with who than why and what. And I think that this is another upside down gospel moment because everything in us as humans wants to ask why am I gonna do it and what am I gonna do? But I think God is asking us how are you gonna live and who are you gonna do your life with? And when we come into it with that perspective, 
It changes from this pressure-filled tightrope that we have the, the power to mess it all up or this ambiguous, scary sea of confusion that we're the ones in control to realize that God's plan for your life is full of grace, but it's completely custom, tailor-made for you. That there are things that God has predestined from before the foundation of the earth for you. Do you know he thought about tonight? God thought about tonight before everything. He thought about you being here tonight, not hearing a guy, but hearing from him. Like engaging with his word and his presence in your life. He thought about it tonight because he's that intentional. He's that on purpose. He's that specific in your life. But you know, he also created a structure that's too big for you to mess up. You can't mess up the, the will of God. It's this crazy, uh, backwards uh, thinking that, that doesn't seem to make sense that at the same time God's plan is specific, but at the same time I can't mess it up, that in the middle we find a beautiful Savior that just calls you and me home. That at some point we have to come to terms that we don't fully understand it, but however, just like the song says, however this whole, the chips fall, God, I'll go anywhere as long as I'm with you. God, I will do anything as long as I do it with you. God, uh, however I'm going to land this and we can find all ways to this divide as Christians, whether it's free will or predestination, big bucket, little cup, however you want to do it, I don't know, but God, I'm on your team. Yes. God, uh, however the chips fall, I'm with you and I know that if I'm with you, I'm going to be okay. So let's be people not of the little cup nor of the big bucket, but people who view uh, God's will as a beautiful funnel that as long as we seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, everything else is gonna take care of itself. As long as we acknowledge him in all of our ways, then he's gonna make our path straight. He's going to do it. Can I pray for you? Jesus, thank you. Jesus, thank you for the gift of your word. Thank you for the gift of your spirit, God. Thank you for the gift that it is to have a relationship with you, that you give us keys to not only human flourishing, but eternal life. God, we give you all the credit, just as it says in Ephesians 2. God, that it's not by anything we have done to deserve a great life or even to deserve a calling or a purpose, but it's by your grace alone. By your grace alone that we receive anything close to a life of meaning. So help us live lives for you. Help us be people of the funnel, making every effort to throw ourselves into this beautiful mystery that you've called us into. Help us be people that before we think about leading nations, we think about leading small groups. God, help us be people who, before we think about grand adventures, we think about what we're doing today to honor you. Help us give you today's yes, tomorrow's yes, the next day's yes, realizing that as we acknowledge you in all our ways, you're gonna get everything else figured out. We love you, Lord. In the name of Jesus, we pray, amen.